Good morning, church. Welcome. Let's stand together. It's good to be with you on this uh, beautiful Sunday morning. I know uh, many of our uh, lady friends are down in South Lake at the Women's Retreat. Praying that they had a great time down there this week. Maybe you were down there. Uh, hopefully, uh, we're filled up. But let's, uh, let's join as we, um, we lift our king up. There's uh, lyrics that are in the, the middle section there if you haven't grabbed some. <clears throat> let's, uh, let's pray. Lord, we um, indeed are set free. We're no longer bound to our old nature, but you have made us new creatures in you. And Lord, not because of our, our goodness or the things that we've done, for in fact, your word tells us that while we are yet sinners, Lord, Christ came and he died for us. Lord, we thank you for your grace, for your mercy that you have risen from the dead, that you are no longer in a tomb as the gods of this world. You are seated on high. Lord, we thank you for the promise of your return. Lord, that you will take us home someday. Lord, you tell us in the meantime, we as your bride should gather, that we should sing of your praises, be reminding each other of your goodness. And Lord, so we come today. We come from our homes. We come from afar across this land. We come here in Truckee, California, Lord, to lift you up, to praise you. Lord, to not focus on ourselves, Lord, but to turn our eyes toward you, our King. Lord, you are deserving. May we come with thanksgiving and praise, church, as we lift up our King. In Jesus' name, amen. May we be reminded through these songs today that we are forgiven, that we are cleansed, we are redeemed. Let's sing together.
your grace, oh your grace, so free, washes that we are forgiven, that we are free, that he deserves our praise. Hey, it's good to be with you this morning. And as we sing this next song, uh, before the throne of God above, um, he has a, we, I have a strong and perfect plea. Jesus pleads for us. He, he intercedes for us. And uh, let's come, let's praise him on high, for he is deserving. the family before the throne
forgiveness, Lord. Hey, friends, if you didn't know, maybe you're new uh, to SBC, but um, maybe you've been here a long time, but for our gatherings, um, the idea for behind it, there's threefold. One, that we would proclaim who God is. We give an opportunity to confess sin. And then lastly, that we would celebrate our King. And this song specifically is talking about confession. And not necessarily you're turning to somebody and, you know, telling everything that's dirty in your closet there is times for that but this is an opportunity for you maybe to come before our Lord and say you know what Lord I blew it this week I blew it yelling at my kids and not being patient I blew it um, not being kind to my friend I blew it as um, I was thinking a nasty thought I was watching something maybe I shouldn't have been watching and the list can go on and on I don't need to tell you your sin you know your sin I know my sin but let's come before our King knowing that he is faithful that he has forgiven us 
For he tells us in 1 John, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Is there amen to that? All unrighteousness. Not just one. From the time that we were born until the time we see glory, he promises that he will forgive us. And Lord, we thank you. And that's what this next song talks about. Let's join together as we sing, Give Us Clean Hands. We bow. We bow our hearts. We bend our knees. Oh, Spirit, come make us humble. We turn our eyes from evil Cast down our idols. Give us clean hands. Give us pure hearts. Let us not lift our souls to another. Give us clean hands. Give us pure hearts. Let us not lift our souls to another. And give us clean hands and give us clean hands, give us pure hearts. Let us not lift our souls to another. Give us clean hands, give us pure hearts. Let us not lift our souls to another. And God, let us. Give us pure hearts. 
Let us not lift our souls to another. And God, let us be a generation that seeks, that seeks your face, O God of Jacob. And God, let us be a generation that seeks, that seeks your face, O God of Jacob. One more time. O God, let us be a generation that seeks, that seeks your face, O God of Jacob. And God, let us be a generation that seeks, that seeks your face, O God of Jacob. Lord, we thank, thank you for your faithfulness that is not rested upon me, upon my shoulders, Lord, but by what you have done and what you are going to do in our lives. And as we gather today, Lord, we ask that you will Open up our, our eyes and our hearts to hear your word, to be changed more into your image. And Lord, we want to honor you and give you thanks, uh, for Lord, you are good. In Jesus' name, amen. Folks, you may have a seat. Good morning. I would say, Jesus! Hey, welcome uh, to uh, Sierra Bible Church. If I haven't met you yet, um, my name is Jesse, and I'm part of the pastoral team here. Normally, you see me up here teaching. I'm not going to be teaching this week. I just want to give you a, a couple highlights to introduce you to our speaker this morning. Uh, a couple things to make note of. Obviously, uh, each week there are several of you that are new to the church, and uh, or you've been coming for a little while, or you're online, and I've never met you face-to-face. -face. You're just checking things out. We do want to connect with you. We have a newsletter uh, of all the upcoming stuff that, that uh, we do at our church. It's the primary way in which we communicate in addition to all the social media outlets. Uh, you can sign up for that newsletter either in a connect card and a bulletin in the back. Uh, put that in the offering box in the back there. Or um, you can go online at sbctrucky.com, and there's a place for you to sign up there as well. Uh, so, for instance, uh, we actually had a women's retreat uh, this last week. So my wife is there with, like, 40 other ladies. And so uh, I've had my kids for the last couple days, which is one of the reasons why I'm not teaching this morning. And some of the dads are here this morning by themselves without their wives. So can we just say congratulations to those dudes for getting out of bed and getting their kids dressed? Uh, I don't know how many of you um, know Russ Grant. He's one of our elders. And this morning he, he looks so good. Where are you, Russ? Are you out here somewhere? Can you stand up so everyone can appreciate how good you look? This is important for you to know. Look at this. This is the best he's ever looked ever, and the reason the reason is because he couldn't get his youngest to get dressed out of his pajamas for church this morning. So the way he convinced him was he let Will, his youngest, dress him. So that's how Will dressed him, which I'm sure is better than how Will is dressed this morning, which is uh, pretty cool. My kids are dressed, uh, and, and so congratulations to me as well. Um, so glad to have you guys with us. Wa Want to make sure you touch base. There's uh, There's a lot going on right now, so... We're entering into the fall season. Awana has kicked off. All of our community groups are back and running, uh, which I think is just amazing and, and great and just should be something that we should be uh, thankful for. We've had some leadership change uh, in our deacons who are service-based. They kind of – the deacons, just so you know, they do a lot of the making sure the tents get set up and this place is ready for you to go on Sunday. Andy Finch 
uh, helps run that along with uh, Amy Kraft. And they have a sign-up sheet in the back. They're, they're kind of trying to build up a team of people that want to serve our church. So if that's you and you're like, hey, I want to I wanna serve, I want to do something, I want to plug away, just go to the back there and sign up on there. And uh, you can get in touch with Andy, and he'll utilize your gifts and service. And then um, it's also we want to use that as a place to find out needs within the congregation. So if you have a need uh, and, and you need some assistance, let us know. Sign up on there as well. And then Laura's Bible study is starting up this Tuesday. And then John, who's going to be teaching uh, this morning, uh, you probably remember we just installed him as one of our elders after he interned. And uh, he's got a degree from master's. And uh, he's just a tremendous guy, a great guy. He's going to be teaching a class on Friday mornings on leadership. And so I've asked him this morning to kind of launch our Timothy study. And so he's going to kind of give you an overview. And he gets to share this morning. So would you guys please welcome John Drollinger as he comes on up and uh, shares. (coughs) And then, um, oh, you guys going to give him shade? That's that's, that's cute. Uh, So before you guys do that real quick, I just got this morning, someone donated a bunch of Sierra Bible Church stickers for your car or for your fridge or whatever. I'll have them with me if you want some. I got, there's like four or five different ones uh, to kind of get the word out about our church and stuff. I have some stickers for you, so, uh, which is almost as important as John teaching. And when you're tall, <laughs> you can teach down here. So there's another height joke. Enjoy, John. Awesome. Thank you, Jesse. Thanks, guys. Wow. Here we go. Moving the tabernacle and setting it up. Perfect, portable, power, great. Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, great to see you all this morning. Uh, it's a real privilege to be up here, and it's a privilege to be the newest part of the leadership team here at Sierra Bible Church. I should probably take my sunglasses off now that I've got shade. Um, but I just want to say how much we love you guys and how much we love this church. Um, Sierra, here we are, outdoor in the high Sierra in the town of Truckee. Bible, we're about to hear from the word, the Bible, and Sierra Bible Church. And you guys are the church, and here we are gathering, and all three things in our name I just love, Sierra Bible Church. Um, So I get the privilege to do an intro to 1 Timothy this morning. Um, I suppose, I don't know, maybe this is becoming a tradition for our church to have a lay elder kick off the new book study. Uh, Dave Pastrell kicked us off in Exodus last season, so here I get to go um, with 1 Timothy this season. Um, so I will tell you guys, uh, this book is a, is a heavy book, and my heart is heavy this morning. There's a lot to say, and with what's happening in our culture, even as of Friday and Saturday last night, Uh, This message has come heavier and heavier to me. So if it feels heavy or the tone feels heavy, uh, I think that's part of just being in this book, studying for the last two or three weeks. Um, If if it come across that way, uh, just know that I think that is in line with how the book itself is written and the tone of a pastor to his young understudy, uh, Timothy. Um, But if we make it and I get through everything, I will end it on a light note. I want you to know that. So stick with me, and uh, I'll I'll, I'll try to leave us on a lighter note. So I want to start, even though we're in the book of 1 Timothy, I want to get a feel for where things are at in the New Testament and in our life here in America right now um, from the book of Romans. So if you'll stand with me. And I'm actually 
going to preach out of a version called the CSB, but for this I brought an ESV because I know most of you guys read in the ESV, and that'll be easier to follow along. So I'm going to do a Bible switch partway through, but Romans chapter 1 and verse 16, please. Romans 1, 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Now here's what we're up against. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Picking up some wind. Is that bugging you guys? Keep going? All right. Who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creator rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions, for their women exchanged natural relationships for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another, men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind. They lost their common sense to do what ought not to be done. Uh, pray with me. Lord. That's a heavy word this morning, but we can relate to every word in that paragraph with what's going on in the culture around us today. You call us to stand strong, to stand as pillars. That's what Paul is calling Timothy to do in a generation that's been turned over to a corrupt mind that can no longer think straight, that can no longer discern or perceive the moral from the immoral, truth from error, Righteousness from unrighteousness, and this is what's going on, and this is what Christians are up against. And I pray today that this message from Timothy would encourage every believer here to go out and stand strong in a culture that's crumbling around them. Amen. You can go ahead and open to First Timothy now. I'm going to try to pin my notes down from the wind. So around you are a bunch of easy-ups. <laughs> you guys are sitting underneath the, the shade, and I'm standing underneath the shade of temporary shelters. They're easy to move. The guys just moved one right here for me so that I could ski see you guys without sunglasses. Um, but easy-ups aren't really known for being strong, permanent, lasting structures. Uh, just last week, 
as uh, we were looking at the situation here on the stage, uh, Brad and I, with the lightest amount of force, I accidentally broke the front left leg of this one, just pulled it off with almost zero effort. They're not the strongest structures, and they don't hold up to wind very well. I work in the ski industry, and two, two winters ago, the big winter, uh, we were doing a ski demo over at Alpine Meadows, and uh, it was a two-day thing over the weekend, and as we left on Saturday, we collapsed the Easy Up tents, put them down so they'd be out of the wind, and around 3 a.m., everybody in the group gets a text from the organizer saying, 100-mile-per-hour gusts, base camp is destroyed, demo is canceled tomorrow, come see what you can salvage. <laughs> and uh, so we all had to go clean up everything of our Easy Ups that were destroyed and basically take it all to the dumpster. It wasn't lasting. Um, they were temporary, weren't really meant to last. Look at 1 Timothy 3.15. The church is called to be the opposite of an easy up. We're called to be something entirely different than temporary, more permanent. Uh, 3.14-15. This is the reason Paul is writing to Timothy. He says exactly that. 3.14. I write these things to you, hoping to come to you soon. But if I should be delayed, I have written so you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. The pillar and foundation of the truth. So I really want to focus our time and thoughts this morning on that word pillar. Pillar. This is an image that to young Timothy would have been very easy to picture. This was the city of Ephesus. And Ephesus had that Roman architecture that's uh, signified by those columns, pillars. In fact, the temple of Artemis in the city of Ephesus is one of the most well-preserved ruins of antiquity, of ancient Rome. It's still there today. You can go and see it. And they made these pillars so strong and so lasting that they've endured uh, 1,500 years later since the time they were built. And we can still see them today. And that's the image Paul has in mind when he talks about the church as the pillar and foundation of the truth. The pillar of the truth. The term, the Greek term is stoulos, which sounds like stool. And... Think of a three-legged stool. That's kind of a common image for something that's strong, supportive, lasting, enduring. It holds you up. Triangles are some of the strongest things in architecture. We are a stool, a platform, maybe like this, for the truth. And we are called as pillars. Now, why would Paul want to call young Timothy to stand strong like an enduring pillar. The reason is because of what was just read in Romans 1. The church, people, you all, pillars, uphold the truth. We lift it up, we put it on a platform, while society and culture tries to suppress the truth and push it down. That's the word used in Romans 1. We're trying to hold it up, Society's trying to push it down, make it crumble, and suppress it. And that idea of suppress the truth 
would, that be, would be like trying to wrestle a beach ball in a pool. And it's constantly trying to float up and rise up. And that's like your conscience telling you what's good and what's wrong. And you're trying, they're constantly trying to silence the conscience, what they know to be true, what's natural, what's perceived with your five senses, what's out there. They're trying to hold that down and suppress it and explain it away and re-explain it with pseudoscience and just odd explanations and try to say that's not the truth. We want to replace it with pseudo-truth. And this is the constant battle that young Timothy would be up against, and that's why he says you need to be a pillar, a foundation, a support of the truth. Now that word truth, that's not really well liked either. In Timothy's day or in our day, we as a church stand in the way of what people want. We hold them back from unrestrained lust for immorality, for impurity, for what their sinful hearts crave and desire. The truth, the church and people of the church stand against that. So they want to topple us down. They want to destroy our pillars and they're, they're coming at it hard. Now, the book of 1 Timothy starts off quick. Uh, verse 3, there's no like Colossians, Ephesus, Thessalonians. Usually starts with a paragraph or two of encouragement, affirmation. You guys are doing great. I'm so encouraged by you. With Timothy, boom, verse 3, as I urged you when I went to Macedonia, remain in Ephesus so that you may instruct certain people not to teach false doctrine or pay attention to myths. Myths were creeping in. Untruths were going up against real truths. And this was the battle that Timothy was about to have to fight. And he's timid. He's young. He's shy. But he's going to have to stand up to the culture trying to suppress the truth around him. Now, if Paul starts off with a bang in his tone, I thought it would only be right uh, in light of our culture to do something along those same lines. And the weight of what we've seen in the last three weeks is it, it's anxiety producing. It's, it's heavy. It's scary. And even in the last three days. Now, we are people who believe in eternal life. We believe in the life of Christ and that his life stands for our life. And we're people who love life. My niece is here today, and she has a brand new three-month little baby, Jack. And maybe you can see him. She's, they're sitting over there. And it's so fun to see new life. You are about to see an all-out assault against life with the recent nomination of a Supreme Court justice who has seven kids, two adopted, replacing who was the stalwart of pro-choice and death. Uh, we have a new person who culture is not going to receive well. This tweeted out yesterday by Planned Parenthood. President Trump's nomination of Amy Coney Barrett is a true slap in the face and affront to everything Justice Ginsburg fought for. Planned Parenthood affiliates of California vehemently condemn the nomination of Amy Coney Barrett to the Supreme Court. Vehement condemnation. I don't know what vehemence means, but it doesn't sound good to me. And I noticed on the tweet, 
Who liked it? Gavin Newsom. This is what our leadership likes, is this kind of stuff. And this is what they're against, is these kind of people who are for life. We love life. We love truth. We love eternal life. And these are the kinds of things that can creep in and that pastors and shepherds have to warn about and watch out for and point out. And that's what Tim, Paul said to Timothy in his day and what we're saying today in our day. We teach the truth about God. We teach the truth about man, salvation, eternity past, eternity future, truth about society, the truth about marriage, the truth about family, the truth about joy. These are what the church is to uphold. Christians stand for common sense when the world around them has a depraved mind that can't think straight any longer. And this is what is trying to be torn down. Strong men of God have stood against a crumbling culture for centuries. Moses, as we just learned after several months in Exodus, stood against Pharaoh and his unrestrained lust for total global power. Daniel stood up against the corrupt politicians of heathen Babylon. John the Baptist stood up against Herod and his palace strip clubs and his illegitimate marital affairs. Peter, James, and John stood up against false religious leaders of Israel. Paul stood up against the Roman Empire and the Supreme Court of Rome, the Sanhedrin. Part Martin Luther stood up against the tyrannical Catholic Church of his day. William Wilberforce stood up against the British slave trade. Dietrich Bonhoeffer stood up against Nazi Germans. J.C. Ryle stood up against dead ceremonial Anglican religion. John MacArthur, in our day, twice has stood up to Gavin Newsom, once in 2003 for handing out illegitimate marriage licenses, and again this year for standing up for church. And they're trying to tear him down. He's going to court. There's a Christian school in the town of Kingsburg that wants to be open. Think they want to teach their kids and educate their kids, and the courts are all against them. One commentator said, the church has a load-bearing role in upholding the truth. Constant pressure against it, trying to stand up. So with culture trying to tug us down, how do Christians stand up? That's the book of 1 Timothy. How do Christians stand up? Five ways. So I'm going to give you five pillars of truth to stand strong in a crumbling culture. Five pillars of truth for how we stand strong in a crumbling culture. First is a changed life. A changed life. Uh, 1 Timothy 1.12. I give thanks to Christ Jesus our Lord who has strengthened me because he considered me faithful, appointing me to the ministry, even though I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an arrogant man. But I received mercy because I acted out of ignorance and unbelief, and the grace of our Lord overflowed along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. This is Paul's changed life. This is his before and after. Second Corinthians says if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things gone, new things have come. Changed lives are extremely powerful, and they're popular even in a secular sense. The show Fixer Upper. <laughs> that put Chip and Joanna Gaines on the map. Remodels, amazing before and afters. Dave Ramsey, before and after, coming through debt. I paid off $50,000, I'm debt free. We love these before and afters. The show Hoarders, 
Before, my home looked like the county dump, and now it's clean and organized. There's TV shows all over the place like this. We heard Jesse's story just last week. Rewind that if you weren't here. Um, He spent about five or ten minutes telling us his testimony, pursuing after the things of the world, young, single, living it up, chasing after everything. And then a friend preached the gospel to him, said, I'm getting called to ministry. Jesse went, heard the gospel, changed life in six months, complete turnaround. This is what Paul's talking about is sharing a clear testimony, a clear Christian before and after. Now, a clear testimony comes with a clear understanding of the gospel. You have to understand the message of truth. Faith comes from what is heard, and that comes from the preaching of the gospel. And there's a little snippet there, uh, verse 15, just a mini condensed, tiny little gospel This saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. Quote, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them, says Paul. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. That's well under 280 characters. You can tweet that. You could probably fit that gospel on a bumper sticker. That's fantastic. There's a couple guys who heard the gospel with even less words than that. Two words, in fact. Follow me. Half the disciples changed their life on those two words, follow me, follow me when Christ called them. My testimony, I was a junior in high school living in a mountain town, not this one, but a similar mountain resort community. I loved it. I was ski racing. I was winning. I was mountain biking, climbing, pursuing all of that. And the last thing on earth that I ever wanted happened to me. Dad said, pack it up, we're moving to the city. (laughs) I did not want to move to the city. I hated it. It made me really upset at my parents. I didn't want to go to a big church. And the youth pastor there reached out to me, said, hey, heard you're from the mountains. Why don't you go to summer uh, winter camp with us? I was like, "Eh, well, that sounds kind of dumb. Where is it? (laughs) Oh, it's up in the mountains, Big Bear Lake, (laughs) which is where I was just from. So he thought, you know, that sounds like a real nice thing. I heard John just moved from there. Maybe he'd want to go back and enjoy camp up there. But I was so prideful that I didn't want to risk going up there with a bunch of flatlanders and have my old, and have my old friends see me on a city bus and, <laughs> and mock me for now becoming a city boy and going and, you know, playing in the dirty snow and the berm on the side of the road like all the flatlanders used to do around there. And uh, I said, well, okay, I'll come, but on one condition, let me drive myself. And uh, so I'm not seen with a bunch of these other flatlanders and cityots. And he said, okay, you can drive yourself and come on your own. So I went up there, and this is where God got a hold of my heart, was at this camp. And I heard it really, the truth, clearly in a song. Love so amazing, love so divine that Jesus would die and give up his life for one who's a sinner, one such as I. That's the song where I first really understood the gospel, understood my sin, understood Christ. Tears came to my eyes. I repented of my sin, my arrogance for wanting to be seen with church people, my pride for the cultural perception I was trying to uphold. It all came crumbling down, and God changed my life to where I loved that new church. I loved the truth that was being taught there. I ended up feeling like I wanted to be a youth pastor. God changed. Like Jesse mentioned, I was able to get some training toward that, um, and that's where my heart is today. Uh, The Lord, of course, called me to business in the meantime, which I already always also enjoy, 
So here I am in this kind of bivocational situation <laughs> trying to do both at once. We'll see how long that lasts. Um, number two, a consuming prayer life. This is the second pillar for standing strong in a crumb- crumbling culture. A consuming prayer life. 2-1, First Timothy 2-1. First of all, then, I urge that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for everyone. He says to pray four ways. Each one has its own little emphasis. Petitions, that first one, is prayer for particular benefits. This is like, give us this day our daily bread for provision. Prayers are more devotional. These are exclusively to God, kind of like how a lot of the Psalms are written. Conversation with God. Intercession, uh, a few elders just did this morning uh, for a church member, Intercession is addressing a situation to God, somebody that's suffering, going through pain, going through a trial. We're saying cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Taking that, taking that situation and forwarding it on to God's care. And then thanksgiving, that fourth little word there, uh, is receiving something that you don't deserve. These are prayers of gratitude, uh, grateful for past mercies. They're, they're more rear-facing, where... Um, intercession is more forward-looking so each of these words has meaning but it's all prayer there's so many ways to pray so many ways we can pray Uh, there's in the Bible um, there's prayers that are hymns prayers that are laments there's national prayers um, which about 60,000 people gathered yesterday in Washington DC on the mall to pray which was great prayers of Thanksgiving prayers for travel safety prayer for wisdom prayers You can pray kneeling, you can pray standing, you can pray lying down, you can pray with your hands up, you can pray with your hands down, you can pray out loud, you can pray silently, you can pray together in a group, you can pray alone, you can pray at fixed times, you can pray anytime, you can pray anywhere, in an open field, next to a river, along a seashore, on a battlefield. You can pray spontaneously, you can pray on a set schedule, you can pray for anything, you can pray with anyone, anytime. That's the point. This shouldn't be hard. Jesus prayed. He was perfect and he prayed. He prayed at his baptism. He prayed prayed when he chose his apostles. He prayed at his transfiguration. He prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. He prayed at the cross. He prayed during times of conflict. He prayed the Lord's Prayer. He prayed after feeding the 5,000. He prayed when he healed a deaf man. He prayed when he raised Lazarus. He prayed for the church. He prayed for those who nailed him to the cross. He prayed for Peter. He prayed for the eleven. Hebrews 5, 7 says, in the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered prayers and petition with loud cries and tears. It's no wonder his followers said, Lord, teach us to pray. He knew how. Now, that's kind of the easier part. Uh, Read the next verse. Verse 2, for kings and all those who are in authority. (laughs) Ah, now you guys know how Jonah felt. I don't want to pray for them. I don't want to go preach to Nineveh. They might repent and get saved. (laughs) It's what we're called to. Pray for those who are in authority, even those we might disagree with. Uh, I met a guy a couple weeks ago who uh, was in George Bush Jr.'s uh, presidential cabinet. And uh, it was kind of random how I met him, but he said he had flown a million miles on Air Force One before he was age 30. Kind of a cool job. Um, He was there the moment George Bush learned about the 9-11 attacks. 
he, he was in. I mean, he was talking it through. Uh, that's, that's influence. Talk about being able to have direct access and bend the ear. You guys have got it way better than he had it. If you want to get involved in government, pray. If you want to lobby for certain values you hold dearly, pray. Because the one who's in authority over all those sub-authorities is God Almighty. And he hears our prayers and you've got direct, ac direct access to him anytime. This is where the power for strong pillars of truth is. Third, a character of integrity. A character of integrity. This is chapter 3. 3 1. This saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to be a leader, he desires a noble work. That word leader, pastor, overseer. So this is for people with specific calling, these standards, but they certainly apply to everyone. And Jesse's going to spend plenty of time unpacking a lot of this, you guys. We're just kind of hitting the highlights here. Um, but this is what, uh, verse 2, it says, An overseer, therefore, must be above reproach. Above reproach. Your Bible might say blameless. Uh, I have a little illustration of this, but I have to hold my pages down. Hold on, let me bookmark it. As if 2020 couldn't get any worse. Look what happened to my favorite copy, coffee mug a few mornings ago. This is my favorite coffee mug. I go to pour the half and half in. <laughs> There's just a hole right in the bottom. <laughs> and it made an absolute mess <laughs> all over my counter. You know, six in the morning, you're looking for a cup of coffee, sit down and relax, and you've got a big mess to clean up. That's not what you're looking for when you go for your cup of coffee, especially when it's your favorite mug that you've had forever. Just had a hole in the bottom. So this is what happens. This is what it's talking about to be blameless and above reproach is that you're, you have integrity. Um, your life holds water. It's not full of holes or hypocrisy for all kinds of untruths to leak out because that makes for... Um, that, that, that's embarrassing for Christ, that's embarrassing for the church, that's embarrassing for who we represent. And we've, I'm sure many of us, myself included, um, have been burned by, a, by someone with a lack of integrity who, who turned, who didn't live up to um, what they professed. And that's why it says that Christians need to be above reproach, blameless, and have integrity. Um, I was going to go through these, but I think for time's sake, I'm going to skip them, um, and we'll probably leave them to another message later in this series, because uh, I want to get on to a few more. Fourth, the fourth pillar for Christians to uphold the truth is a commitment to progress. We have to be committed to progress in our Christian lives. This wind is really, really fun on my paper here. Okay, Christians need to be committed to pro. <laughs> okay, let me let me flip these around. Hang on, peeps. Okay, four. What's my verse on this one? Four fifteen. Four fifteen. First Timothy four fifteen. Paul says, Timothy, practice these things. Be committed to them so that your progress may be evident to all. Pay close attention to your life and your teaching. 
persevere in these things, for in doing this, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Now, I want to reread that incorrectly, substituting the word perfect, because I want you to see that that's not what it says in the text. So I'm going to reread those verses incorrectly. Perfect these things. Be committed to them so that your perfection may be evident to all. Pay close attention to your life and your teaching. Perfect in these things, for in doing this you will save both yourself and your hearers. It does not say that how I read it the second time. It says progress, practice, pay attention to, persevere. It's the direction of your life, not the perfection of your life that Christ calls us to. A commitment to hard work, to practice, to working it out. Christianity, this is called sanctification. It's not what saves you. We are not saved by good works, but we are saved for good works. And Paul is saying to young Timothy, you've got to work at this. People need to see your progress. People need to see that you're committed to it. They need to see the diligence. Um, In college, my wife and I knew a guy who his life dream was to play for the Lakers. And he was a great, great basketball player. But what made him really great is that he didn't think he was great. He had to work hard. And every night in college, he would go down to the gym and shoot three-pointers for three hours from 9 o'clock to midnight. He listened to his lessons on audiobook. He had the gym to himself at that time of night and shoot three-pointers for three hours every night. And he did get a chance to play with the Lakers, uh, with Kobe and Shaq and that generation. And it paid off, all that hard work. Another athletic inspiration for me is Kevin Jorgensen, who a couple of years ago succeeded in climbing the Don Wall on El Capitan. And he couldn't get through this one section of 514 delicate nail, fingernail climbing. And for five or six days, if you've seen the documentary, he tries at it again and again, and he falls and he falls and he stays after it. And he finally got through this one sequence, and now they've completed the hardest rock climb of all time and one of the biggest accomplishments in all the outdoors. That's progress, that's practice, that's hard work, that's the kind of dedication Christians are called to. Finally, number five, the fifth pillar for standing strong in a crumbling culture is a clear comprehension and conviction of the gospel. Clear comprehension and conviction of the gospel. Look at 612. 6.12. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of eternal life to which you were called and about which you have made a good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Now that word confession, you might have heard of a creed or the Westminster Confession of Faith. It's, It's a body of truth. It's things we believe, doctrines that we hold to. This had to be clear in Timothy's mind if his ministry was gonna have any power whatsoever was that the truth he preached needed to be powerful and protected and clear and boldly proclaimed. So listen, 2 Timothy is more about the message 
First Timothy has a little bit more with the man and the pastoral office and what sort of doing church looks like. Second Timothy is a little more specific and has to do with the message. So let me read some of these. I'm just going to kind of bullet point through them. One six. this is 2 Timothy. Don't be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord. Share in suffering. One twelve. I am not ashamed because I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to guard what has been entrusted to me till that day. There's this guardianship, this trust. One thirteen. hold on to the pattern of sound teaching. One fourteen. guard the good deposit. 2.1, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. 3.14, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed. And then 3.16, the heart of 2 Timothy, all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, rebuking, training, so that the man of God may be completely equipped for every good work. Then 4.1, I solemnly charge you before God and Christ Jesus, preach the word. Preach the word, Timothy. That's where the power is, is in the word of God. So steps one through four, your, your testimony, your prayer life, your blamelessness, your commitment to progress, those things are great and those things are important, but you can fail at those. You're not going to be able to do those things perfectly, but the word of God is perfect. None of the things in step one through four are inspired, but the word of God is inspired. And that word inspired means it has God's very breath, his life, his vitality, and, and nothing else in ministry has that the way the word of God does. So that's why it's so important that young Timothy preach the word. Now, time for a little commercial for our class. <laughs> if any of those things interest you or tug on you, Dave Pastrell, who just finished his master's degree, uh, he's a dentist who also is a lay guy like me. Um, we, we, that's what we want to do, and that's why this little class is called Entrust. So some of you guys that want to do that, it's, it's based on this, and we'd, we'd I, want, I really want 20 guys to start. I'd love to see 20 of you show up. I'm, I'm, we're going easy at the start. It's Friday mornings, 7 to 8.30 every other week. When I was in college, it was every week at 6 a.m. <laughs> with my pastor. You guys get every other week at 7 a.m., an extra hour and an extra week in between, okay? <laughs> Starting in two Fridays, October 9th. And we just want to go through this stuff in more depth and really uh, just go through that training process that Timothy likely went through. I want to leave you with this, 1 Timothy 1, 5, and then I want to tell you that a little bit lighter-hearted story I said I would tell you. Thanks for a few extra minutes. Oh, 1, 5. The goal of our instruction is love that comes from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. The goal of our instruction is love. Everything we've talked about Paul to Timothy here with us today has, has got to be saturated in love or else, or else it's going to be, it says in 1 Corinthians 13, a, just a clanging gong that's going to be super annoying if we're just out there preaching without love. If we're trying to be pillars but have no love, no compassion, no empathy for people, love is critical for the whole thing to be successful. So I want to tell you and leave you with a story about 
a kid who I think is a Timothy of our day. Uh, he's currently in seventh grade. Uh, his name is Carter. And our family loves Carter. My friend Ryan, he's a lifelong best friend. It's his son. And little Carter is a little Timothy. And if Carter can stand strong, we all can stand strong. When Carter was younger a few years ago, elementary school, uh, <laughs> He, he was at a public school, and his teacher was talking about Greek mythology and polytheism and all the Greek gods. And Carter plugs his ears and goes, no, 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 no. Who thinks we should not be talking about this? <laughs> and little Carter just basically creates an insurrection in his elementary school class, <laughs> of which the teacher cannot calm down and says, Carter, I'm going to need to excuse you. You need to go see the principal. It gets worse or better, <laughs> better in my opinion. He sees the principal, and the principal says, Carter, well, not everybody believes what you believe. You know, lots of people believe lots of different things. And she goes, for example, me, I believe in Buddhism. And he goes, oh, no, not you. I don't want you to go to hell. And he starts to cry <laughs> for his principle that he loves. Now, they've since pulled Carter out of that public school and put him in a Christian school. It's the story continues. <laughs> This Christian school is Emmanuel Christian, which I don't know how close you guys watch the news, but they are the school in a little town, a little farm town south of Fresno, Christian school that right now is going through the legislative process, lawsuits that try to stay open. Um, they want to meet. They want to teach their kids Christianity. Everybody in the town is for it. They don't take funding from the government. They want to meet. Uh, they're in legislation. They've won a few court cases. They've lost a few court cases. And Carter goes to this school. <laughs> I say, oh my gosh, this is Carter's moment. <laughs> Ryan, what's he said so far? Is he just loving it? Um, and so I guess one morning, all the cameras are there, the media, you know, that want to shut this school down. <laughs> and Carter's on the other side of the fence playing basketball. And he sees one of these cameramen pointed at him. And he goes, hey, you, you over there behind the fence, what are you looking at? We're just trying to play basketball, and we're not very good. <laughs> <laughs> so get out of here. <laughs> and I just love that spirit of young Carter, and I hope we can all have that kind of courage and that kind of stand and just to know, hey, all we're trying to do over here at church is gather, love one another, uphold the truth, stand for life. We love families. We love marriage. We love the truth, and this is what we're about. We may not be very good at it, like little Carter said, um, but this is what we love, and this is what we're committed to. So that's my prayer for us all this morning, and let's close on that. Lord, thank you so much for this amazing book. I'm so excited to dig in <coughs> over the next couple of weeks, and just pray that you'd bless Jesse as he takes us further and deeper into what you have prepared for us. Um, I pray for this church, as it says in one, and I pray for everyone here to stand strong, to have clarity and conviction about the gospel, the message, and that um, our testimony in this community, that we'd be received well, that we'd be salt and light, that we'd have a preserving influence, that it would all be seasoned with love, and that you would just bless everything that happens through and in everybody here. 
and I'd be remiss if I didn't pray for our leadership. This new Supreme Court nominee is going to go through hell in the coming weeks. We've seen it before, and it's going to come harder on her and her seven kids. And I just pray for those who like the things that are completely against you, that you would hold them back, that you'd keep the power of the enemy at bay, and that you'd just bless our nation, what's left of it, um, that people, we would be a people of prayer, and that then we could lead quiet lives, as it says, with dignity and peace, and just keep to ourselves and worship you and share that love with those around us. Amen. Give John a hand, would you? As these guys move John's tabernacle. Um, I just want to mention a couple things on the heels of that. Uh, so we're obviously entering into the fall season. And one of the reasons that we are going to be in Timothy, as he stated, is that uh, I believe that the church and what the church is and what the church is not is under attack and that it is veiled uh, in the complexities of uh, the virus and the political scheme of things. And so I do feel it's important for us as a congregation to know what God's church is supposed to be, not what the world says it's supposed to be, but what God says it's supposed to be. And so uh, we are going to establish that over the coming uh, couple months. And obviously, we recognize that right now we have this ability for us to be outside. And for those of you who uh, are not worried about catching the virus or uh, you're not surrounded by people who might catch it, so let's say you work at a hospital and you're able to gather in here and be you and get back to a, a little bit of what is normal. And then obviously while you're out here, we know that there's people who uh, need to and desire to kind of sit back on the fringes and we're grateful that being outside allows you that opportunity i really don't uh care if you come with uh with a mask on just so you know i've heard people say that they don't feel comfortable coming because they feel like they might be judged if they wear a mask i, I really don't care I, what i do care about is that we gather and that we come under the teaching and the preaching of god's word because god's word has all of the authority we've got to get back to all of it i saw a great tweet this week that said you got to buy into the inspired word, the inerrant word, the perfect word, God's word that comes from his mouth. you got to buy into the whole package. And I know for some of you, you don't even know what I mean by that, but there are people who don't believe God's word is completely inerrant, that there are errors in it. And, and my friends, there's a reason that we're here 2,000-plus years later and we still stand on that same word. It's true for all people at all times in every single culture. Uh, and so here's just, just to continue to prep you. We're entering into fall. We're entering into winter. The, the, the weather is going to get colder. You know this. Uh, as uh, John shared about a temporary structure, some of these tents we have up will not suffice under the winter of uh, Tahoe and Truckee and all of that. So we're not going to be outside forever. But we are committed as a leadership to continue to gather under God's word. So we are strategizing what it looks like for us to get back inside. Uh, one of the things we are looking at is possibly doing three services. Uh, we don't know if we're going to do three services, so I know there's been some surveys and stuff that's popped out there. Uh, we were looking at like an 8 a.m., a 9.30, uh, and then an 11 a.m. service, and we're not sure those are going to work. But what I would ask of you is this. In order for us to correctly uh, guide and make our gatherings as best as possible, 
I'd love to hear from you. E- if it's online, great. Uh, if you send an email, great. If you talk to me or Brad uh, off to the side, I'd be at the, the 930. Most of us would be at the 930. Uh, but if we have too small of a group at the 8 a.m., we probably won't do the 8 a.m. We want to make sure we serve as many people as possible. Uh, and we're also getting ready for future growth. But but here's what you need to know. We're committed to worshiping Jesus Christ on Sundays. and We want you here. And if for some reason you feel you're not able to be here, we will continue to provide online gatherings for you. And many people are still taking part of that now. Uh, so just want to get you ready for it. Want to ask you, as John said, pray for your leadership. Pray for your leadership because we've been wrestling through ever since March. What does it look like for us to be the church? And we do believe at this point it's time for us as a church to stand and say that we will be God's people under God's roof and we will worship him and we will proclaim him and we will continue to love one another as we see one another. Amen. So God bless you guys. Let's stand. (coughs) Thank you. Let's stand and uh, Brad will lead us in, in a song or two in closing. we've learned over time we need clips John you need clips for your your, your papers <laughs> <laughs> just kidding hey I am uh, always excited to come and to worship with you guys and the last song that we're going to sing is called my victory and our victory is in Christ and Christ alone and we invite you to sing with us let's join in song knowing that he is good and deserving of our praises and that he has overcome our sin he's overcome death and uh, let's join together whether you're at home, whether you're here, uh, we are the body of Christ. And let's uh, remember that he has given us the victory in him.
I've seen and tasted it. It's running through my veins. I can't escape its grip. In you, my soul is safe. You cover everything. This chorus all together, church. Oh, your love. Oh, your love bled for me. the Lord bless you. Uh, have a great day. We'll see you next week, um, and we'll talk to you soon. Love you guys. Take care. I'm learning to work with it. Let's put it that way. <laughs> I'm excited to be part of the team one day. Oh, bless you. Thanks. Thank you. Gosh, thanks for inviting me. <laughs> well, like I said, I've had a lot of compliments from it, so I'll make sure I send those your way.